Hello, and welcome back to the Travelers Institute Risk and Resilience Podcast, where we explore issues at the intersection of business, insurance, and public policy, and offer insights and practical advice for both businesses and individuals in today's world of rapidly evolving risk and opportunities. I'm Joan Woodward, president of the Travelers Institute, and I'm thrilled to be with you here today. How do companies like Travelers build DNI into policies and hiring practices? Well, Travelers Chief Diversity and Inclusion Officer, Dr. Lauren Young, joined my colleague, Jessica Kearney, on a recent Wednesdays with Woodward webinar to share some of her experience leading the Travelers Enterprise Wide DNI program. Take a listen to what we learned. Good afternoon, and thank you for joining us. Welcome to Wednesdays with the Word. Today, we're going to talk all about diversity, equity, and inclusion in the workplace. What makes an organization truly diverse and inclusive, and why does that matter? We're going to lay it all out. We're going to we're really frame up the discussion today. Travelers Chairman and CEO Alan Schnitzer has called diversity and inclusion a business imperative, and we're going to dig into that. And today we are so fortunate to be joined by Traveler's very own Chief Diversity and Inclusion Officer, Dr. Lauren Young, who's going to share her insights and importantly, take your questions. Here at Traveler's, Dr. Young is responsible for the day-to-day -day management and leadership of our enterprise diversity and inclusion. So we're gonna learn all about that. She has more than 15 years of experience in senior positions, guiding leaders through very complex organizational change and creating cultural transformations. Dr. Young has numerous accolades that I could mention here, but I wanna make sure that I hit a few. She's earned her master's degree in organizational psychology and a doctorate of education in organizational change and leadership from the University of Southern California. She was recognized by Diversity MBA as one of the top 100 under 50 executive and emerging leaders in diversity, inclusion, and equity, and was named by Insurance Business America's Hot 100 list in 2021. She currently serves as a faculty member at the University of Southern California's psychology department and as a certified human resource management professional. Lauren, thank you so much for joining us on our program today. We're looking forward to hearing your opening comments. I'll come back on afterwards uh, for a little moderate discussion and then we'll get to the audience questions. So please take it away. Thank you so much for having me, Jessica. And I really appreciate the time to share some insight into an area where so many people have passion and interest to continue making progress. So diversity within and inclusion within our organizations has evolved over the past few decades. And when I speak to groups like I'm doing today, I like to pose a question to the crowd. Yes. Why do you believe diversity and inclusion is essential for business? So usually when I hear people respond, they say, we want to reflect our diverse customer base. We want to hire top talent and retain diverse talent, as well as increase employee satisfaction and be able to complete in a growing global economy. And I would say, absolutely. All of these goals are desired in a business and they center around being culturally competent as a leader, culturally competent as a team member, and they can really help people become supportive and open to learning about individuals who've had different experiences, which is great. But at the foundational level, the reason diversity and inclusion is essential to business is because we all have unconscious biases. And that's okay, because we're all human and having unconscious biases are natural and normal. But what we want to make sure is we don't let our unconscious biases impact 
our ability to make decisions every day. And we'll talk about how we look at DNI at Travelers um, across all of our business units and functions. And we do this in a very strategic way. And these are just a few examples about how we engage and consult throughout the organization each year. I do feel it's important to share the how behind the why we direct teams and their approach to DNI, and also how we work to tie these efforts together to experiences that are tangible for everyone. And this approach is inclusive of our employees, as well as our suppliers and distributors and the community. So we wanna make a holistic impact across the board in relation to DNI. So today I'd like to focus on the talent side. I know we have a lot of questions around the talent piece and talk about some of the programs and efforts that we put in place to promote DNI across the organization. We're going to start by looking at the strategy we anchor our DNI efforts to. I'm going to showcase three segments to our current DNI strategy. The first being that we track and hold our leaders accountable. And this requires establishing opportunities to build proximity between diverse groups and our leaders to drive greater awareness and embed inclusivity in our decision-making processes. The outcome here is to maintain shared accountability for diversity, equity, and inclusion with our leaders across the organization. Second, we drive cultural change to promote inclusion. And this is highlighted by the amazing work that our employee resource groups or as we call them, diversity networks, conduct each day. Um, also the collaboration we've had over the years with our working councils that are comprised of senior leaders throughout the business. These groups are at the center of the strategy to embed diversity and inclusion into the way that we work together and measure its impact. The outcome here is to generate measures and metrics of success to really demonstrate the progress that we've made as an organization. So for example, if we wanna make sure that our diversity networks have a platform to share how they've made an impact on travelers through their programming and events, we wanna be able to do that through this strategy. Um, also, if we wanna build capacity to share additional measures of progress as we're able, and this is going to be a long-term element of the strategy, but we continue to work on that every day. And finally, we educate and we engage at all levels within our organization. So the continued popularity of our Diversity Speak series, which I will share a little bit more about in a couple of minutes, and the capacity we've created just to have courageous conversations in the workplace, that demonstrates our commitment to continue building cultural competence over time and just our willingness to keep these important discussions going. And ultimately, we know this can create the outcome of greater transparency between each other. We know that everyone's on a journey to understand how we can best support one another and we also know that no one is perfect. Um, but the more we can be transparent about, we don't always get it right every time, the more open we can be with each other and create opportunities for learning and growth that's really just going to benefit everyone. So we work to make this strategy tangible by providing opportunities for everyone to continue to explore and uncover their unconscious biases through some really thoughtful programming and outlets for networking. Um, and so we'll talk about these three things on the next couple of slides. Um, the first being our diversity networks, which we are super proud of. So at Travelers, we have eight diversity networks to help build the power of diversity and inclusion and bring it to life within the company. These are employee run, but they are sponsored through my DNI function. And we have leaders at the international, the national, and the local level 
volunteer their time and their talents toward fostering an environment that is inclusive of all. Um, and we're really committed to reinforcing a sense of belonging and ultimately contribute to the retention of our talent. So in this image, you can see my team and I surrounded by over 90 international diversity network leaders from our annual um, leadership summit just this past April. So it was a great time. And here's how we represent our DNs. We had new logos created last year to represent each of the organizations. And the design should reflect the bottom of a conversation bubble. Um, so hopefully you can see that. Think about a comic book. We're keeping those conversations going on a regular basis in regards to DNI with our diversity networks. I have heard from some that the logos may also remind them of an EKG readout, which does make me smile. Uh, but I do like to say that works for me too because the DNs are at the heart of our business. So the next option that we offer to help employees uncover their unconscious biases are the Diversity Speak series. And Travelers has hosted about 100 live and virtual sessions with these external speakers and thought leaders to explore so many different dimensions of diversity um, and also allow these individuals to share their stories. So these are the four tenets of our speaker series and the requirements for the programming our external speakers present. So they have to tell a compelling story that encourages at least one of the following items listed here. And they are allyship, cultural competence, celebrating the employee experience and intersectionality, and encouraging inclusive leadership. So it's June, so we're celebrating Pride Month currently. And our Diversity Speak session this month is designed to support our LGBTQ plus community and also to get to the core of what's necessary to support each other in our work environment. Additionally, we build discussion guides to go in tandem with each of these sessions. So if employees miss the live event or they wanna revisit their discussions with their teams because it was such an impactful event for them, they can watch the replay and then leverage the group of questions to foster dialogue and continue the conversation. And then finally, we do have a broader series of trainings that encourage greater awareness and education on the topics of unconscious bias, allyship, and more. And you can see them listed here on the next slide. It's perfect. So internally, we have a learning dashboard that we call My Skills, and this is where we host a great deal of self-paced trainings. Anyone can add the pathways that we have listed here on the left to their learning plan, their internal learning plan at any time. And you will also see our Diversity Speaks discussion guides that I just mentioned are stored here as well. So this is a great way for people just to, you know, increase their understanding in any of these areas. In the middle, we talk about our signature programs. And as new hires are onboarded, they are expected to complete our program called Conscious Inclusion within their first six months at Travelers. This is our signature unconscious bias program for all employees, no matter what your level is within the organization. Um, and it's a really outstanding training. It is led by a group of fantastic internal facilitators throughout the business, and they dedicate their time and energy to ensuring Everyone has an understanding of how Travelers regards diversity and inclusion. And we're looking to expand this training this year to go deeper on topics that are introduced in this course. 50 Ways to, Buy, to Fight Bias is actually uh, relatively new. And we've trained over 2,000 people across the organization just in 2022 in this course who have voluntarily raised their hand and said they want to know more about 
what they can do to fight bias throughout, you know, any organization or any group that they're in. Um, and this includes our executives who are very excited to be a part of this. This class is also facilitated by internal leaders across business units to share scenarios and really allow employees to practice in real time. So they're prepared if they witness a situation where they can intervene and disrupt bias. So we love that we have added this program to our list of um, educational services. And then finally, we have three interactive programs under a category we call Ally Pursuit. Um, we are all on a journey to understanding and building our knowledge of inclusion. And many of us have a desire to support others who have had different experiences than us. And Ally Pursuit is exactly that. It is an interactive journey map that you can click through and complete the uploaded missions in pursuit of becoming a better ally. It's a lot of fun, actually, and you can do this over time, so there's no pressure you feel to complete everything in one sitting. And I truly find this to be a great way to learn because you can test out what you've learned, come back, and then move on to the other missions once you've become comfortable with the other recommended activities that you've gone through. So just to close, since this is new and it's not included in the education piece of the slides, I wanted to share with you briefly one of the new enhancements that we've added just through having more conversations with our employees in an area that's important for all of us, and that's our health. So our benefits team, in collaboration with Enterprise Diversity and Inclusion and our diversity networks, have worked together to expand our services with one of our healthcare vendors. We already offered employees the ability to be matched with top-ranked doctors in their area and also receive guidance on how to obtain second opinions from leading specialists through our healthcare plan. But now Traveler's employees also have access to healthcare communities for two specific demographics, led by Black care teams and LGBTQ plus care teams to provide inclusive advocacy and care coordination while ensuring community members feel safe they feel supported, and they're able to really get the care that they need. Um, so this is a huge addition to our medical plans and could be a game changer for two traditionally underserved communities to secure medical providers that really represent their demographics. So we're excited about that and so are our employees. So I'll pause there, Jessica, and turn it back to you. Lauren, thank you so much. That was um insightful and helpful. We're already getting a lot of good audience questions. And I loved what you said around, um, you know, all of us being on a journey, right? And no one's perfect. And I think that gives us all a little bit more um, room to get into the conversation and, and feel more comfortable in the conversation. So, so thank you for all of that. Uh, we're going to dig in. Uh, we're going to probe a little bit more on a number of the things that you presented and, and get your expertise and insights. Before we do that, I do wanna open it up as is our tradition to our audience for a polling question, which we're gonna have on screen now. You can bring that up. We would like to know, what is your organization's biggest challenge when it comes to diversity and inclusion efforts? And we've got uh, clearly three options here on screen, recruitment, retention, and creating that culture of inclusion. And I'm just looking at the live results coming in. It's looking like recruitment is uh, just slightly ahead of the other two. So let's go ahead and share those results with the, with the audience. So 44% of folks said recruitment was their number one challenge. 24% uh, said retention. And then another third, 32% said creating a culture of inclusion. So uh, Lauren, I'd, I'd love just to get your reaction to those live results. 
Yeah, absolutely, Jessica. Um, not surprising um, to see these results. So we can walk through each of these choices one by one and the challenges that I've seen with each, you know, when talking to individuals, different companies within our industry as a whole. Um, thinking about recruitment, since that was the top vote, um, every company, you know, wants to have the best talent they can find in role because we just invest so much in our talent. You know, our people are our best asset and also usually our greatest expense for any company. Um, you think about onboarding, training, developing, and then assessing that talent for future roles. It just takes up so much time for our managers and our HR partners and our leaders. So we want to make sure we get it right. Um, we mentor and we advise these individuals. We bring them in and make them part of our culture. So we do want to make the best hires possible but I still see so many saying they struggle to find specifically underrepresented talent. And I find that it's really about asking ourselves where we've built our longstanding relationships and are we being intentional about building proximity to getting to know more underrepresented talent in our industry and also outside of the insurance industry. So if your organization is having difficult finding these individuals for roles, especially for leadership roles, I would ask you, who are you getting to know on a regular basis? And which professional organizations are you investing time and resources into? And, and finally, what are you doing to ensure that you reinforced your bond and connection with these groups? So those are the three questions I will pose there. Um, for retention, I think was the second one. That's the next stage after recruitment. We can get the folks in the door, but what are we doing to ensure that they're gonna stay with us? Um, and economists may debate whether or not we're approaching a recession or already in one, but one thing is for certain, the challenge of retaining underrepresented talent is evergreen, um, especially in leadership. So therefore, we're always going to be in high demand. So ensuring that your organization is clear and building career paths for high potential talent, um, that you're being intentional about developing skills, that you're being open about discussing potential of talent and of course, being honest when delivering feedback, I would say those are all keys to ensuring that you can retain underrepresented talent. Um, and then finally, I think the last one was creating a culture of inclusion. And that really starts with simple behaviors that we can repeat every day. The big misconception about culture is that it's built from making these grand gestures, or you can put some talk about belonging on a glossy brochure, and that's what culture means. But really creating a culture of inclusion, that's done by ensuring every single touch point that a customer or an employee or a community member has with your organization is one where they feel heard, they feel respected, and they feel valued. And we try for that, but we know this can be very difficult to achieve 100% of the time. Um, but you have, you know, amazing subject matter experts. I know we have them here at Travelers leading our functions for customer experience and employee experience, diversity and inclusion, well-being, and, and just so many more. So if you don't have a strategy to check in regularly and assess feedback on how diverse groups are interpreting your culture, you could be putting your company at risk when it comes to retention and recruitment of that talent. That's great, Lauren. And I think... Um getting at some very practical advice. And I know I'm seeing questions come in already and I'll just encourage everyone who's on the line with us today, please drop the quest any questions you have for, for Lauren in our Q&A feature at the bottom of the screen. We're gonna try and get to 
as many as we can. And this is just a, um, a phenomenal opportunity to, uh, you know, get advice from you, Lauren, in the role that you hold um, here at Travelers and uh, really uh, get into some practical, tangible takeaways that hopefully folks can take back and start to think about within their own organizations. So um, with that, let's jump right into the moderated discussion. And, you know, I, I know clearly this was all throughout and baked in all throughout your opening comments, but just as a just as a step back and a, and a zoom out, what does diversity and inclusion mean today, right? So we've just been through um, just a, a, a wild and, um, uh, you know, it's uh, unprecedented last few years, given a global pandemic and everything that's happened, economic uncertainty. Um, what does diversity and inclusion mean today in the context of, of where we sit? Yeah. You know, diversity and inclusion, you know, as far as its external focus, it's evolved so much over the past 20 years. Um, much about diversity and inclusion or what we knew about diversity and inclusion in the workplace, it really started off as compliance. So I'm thinking back to when it was all about reviewing affirmative action and other EEOC requirements based on your location and making sure your job posting requirements followed guidelines set up by the OFCCP if you're a government contractor. So that's where it kind of started. But over time, there's been a shift to do more than just the compliance work and be more inclusive of all groups in the workplace by creating an environment that allows people to be their authentic selves. So the introduction of employee resource groups and business roundtables and affinity groups and more, those have really served as safe spaces for people to connect with others who share specific demographics and just feel that closer connection to their organization through those groups and relationships. I would say today, the presence of these groups still matters because connectedness is so important for us, no matter what company we work for. Um, I'm thinking back to the onset of COVID and the protesting of violence against the Black community, the Asian community, the LGBTQ plus community in 2020. Um, we really strengthened our bonds within these groups and added conversations about psychological safety and belonging to the DEI discussion. Um, also today, DNI covers so many different dimensions. So it's not just about one's physical descriptors. We want to learn more about how do you think about problems and process information? What are your values? And how are you connecting to society? How do you relate to others? How do you rejuvenate and you know, find peace after working all day? All of these elements really impact group dynamics and the way that we work together. So within DNI, our work has also shifted to build the cultural competence of knowing that people have different ways that they manage these things and really help leaders best support their teams and ultimately help the business continue to thrive through the ideas and the efforts our people deliver. It's interesting. We had um, we had an executive from the um, Centers for Disease Control and Prevention on a few weeks ago talking about worker health um, and just really underscored uh, the level at which managers and the atmosphere in the workplace uh, affects your, your personal well-being. And he was actually a, a former family physician and said, you know, I I was, a, I was a family doctor for 10 years and I feel like um, the impact that I had over my patients versus the impact that managers have over, you know, with their, with their teams, um, he said, it just doesn't compare. There's so much time spent at work and really getting that, getting that culture and that um, inclusion right is, uh, is, is very, very important, clearly. Um, all right, terrific. So you talk a little bit about the evolution and laid that out very nicely. 
Um, I'd love for you to maybe just underscore, I think we, you know, we all, we all feel this and, um, and I think have some clues as to what the answer is going to be, but can you underscore for us, what are the risks to a business of having a homogeneous workforce? Yes. So if everyone very easily, I can say that if everyone thinks the same, then you're going to be destined to come up with the same approaches and responses to challenges. And we've been through a lot of challenges in the past couple of years. And, you know, that's fine if you make a single product or you offer a singular service that no one has an alternative for. But we know that's incredibly rare. We work in the financial services and insurance industry. And to some customers, not everybody, but to some customers, we can be seen as a commodity. You know, you don't like your renewal rate, you know, you can go to another provider and find a better price. You know, if you don't have a great relationship with your agent or broker, it's not difficult to find another one, but that's not what we want. We really want to showcase our uniqueness and give our customers and employees a reason to stay with us. And there's no better way to remain unique and keep our competitive advantage than ensuring that we keep adding new and different voices to the fold. You know, what are we missing that we can't see that we're missing based on who we have around us right now? So I'm just thinking back, you know, have you ever really drafted an important paper or a memo, an email that you're planning to send out and you read it over a thousand times, you just wanna make sure it's absolutely perfect. And then you send it out and you notice there's a typo or there is an error and it's too late, it's already out there. Um, you're too close to it. You've seen it too many times to detect that anything isn't right um, or something needs to be changed. And that's why it's always great to get a different perspective before you make decisions. So just think about that. The pain and agony we go through to make sure everything looks great, but we miss out on things because we didn't get a second pair of eyes to help us with that. Yeah, that's great. That's great. Um, you talked a lot about travelers and the initiatives and efforts that we have going on with on within our enterprise. Uh, you know, I mentioned at the top that our CEO uh, calls diversity and inclusion a business imperative. Mm -hmm. Can you discuss a little bit more how that translates into the day to day? What does that look like on a day to day base basis within our business? For sure. So I'm thinking about you know, some of the challenges that we faced as well, going back to 2020 again, there were so many leaders, including Alan, who were brave enough to host listing sessions um, within the company to just get an understanding of how people were feeling and their personal experiences with similar situations in our society. So, you know, talking about day-to-day, -day, how does that impact us? Where do we need to be as an organization right now? What are we missing out on? Um, so these conversations really gave us an opportunity to think and pause on what we're doing for DNI, or do we need to be doing more? Can we add additional things to support the group? And I think that paved the way for the creation of our workforce solutions team um, to continue those regular listening opportunities across the company. So, you know, we did that in 2020, and now on a day-to-day -day basis, we'll have different things that come up in society. Um, I'm thinking about the Dobbs decision that was overturned last year. Um, as well as when Masa Amini was killed overseas and protests erupted again over human rights in both cases. So we already have the structure in place to continue hosting those listing sessions and allowing employees to speak from personal experiences and be heard by their colleagues across the organization. Um, so we've started to have quite a few executives start to join these sessions and even share their stories some which were shockingly similar to what we hear in the news 
um, which really brought the impact of these discussions to the forefront and made the need for us to continue supporting each other very real. So on a day-to-day -day basis, you know, making DNI a business imperative really comes from the conversations that we have with each other and preparing in advance for things that may come down that we don't know are coming our way, but we have the infrastructure built to support each other. That's great. And you talked earlier about, you know, grand gestures, right? Yes. And that, that this is this is really going beyond grand gestures. And I think that's a really good example, right, of, of a step that's taken to really keep your your pulse on, um, you know, what are, what's on employees' minds today. Was there anything surprising that you learned from those sessions or any outcome, um, you know, practical or otherwise that, um, you know, after going through all of that, uh, just with our employees at Travelers? Mainly that you just don't know. On the service, you might see someone and you may believe them to be a certain way or, you know, to have had certain experiences, but to have each other you know, be able to go out and tell stories about what they've experienced in life, how they got to where they are today and how that shapes their worldview and the way they lead and the way they bring folks together and the way they build teams. It's, it almost will bring you to tears. It almost makes you very emotional to say, how did you go from here to there? And how did I not know that about you? I feel like we talk on a regular basis, but you know, there's just so much that goes into who we all are as, as individuals. And I just think the more that we can chat with each other and, and learn more about each other, the better we're able to lead teams and, and, you know, just move the business forward. So I would say that was the most shocking, just things that I didn't know about people and just the things that they faced in life um, to be where they are today. Yeah, that's terrific. And I think a, um, a great example or blueprint that others could use uh, within yes. their own organizations. So clearly we've talked about our diversity networks and we had the slide up with um, all the different um, groups. Can you talk a little bit more? We're getting some questions in about, you know, what, what are those objectives for each um, diversity network? And, you know, what does that look like on a day-to-day -day and, and the structure of some of those? Uh, and also, and you mentioned this in the opening about the, the and allies part and just yes. kind of reiterating um, the decision to put that in and why that's been so important. Yeah, for sure. So our diversity networks, they've been around for quite a while. Um, we did do some updates to the governance for the group. So each group does have governance. Um, they are provided with funding to be able to put together programming. So if they want to bring in speakers, if they want to um, host different events, we do provide funding for them to do so. But they are fully employee run. Um, they do have senior advisors at the senior level of our organization that support the work that they do, as well as affinity coaches to help guide them in their leadership journey, because this is a leadership role, whether or not they have people that report to them in their um, regular day-to-day -day job or not, they are being developed for leadership. So we want them to be able to go in and influence groups, um, to be able to bring folks together and keep DNI at the forefront of everything that we do. Um, I have a small team, but I do see the DNs as extensions of the work that I do within the organization. And it's critical to have folks who report into different business units being able to carry forth the ideas that we have. So um, they have a full understanding of the strategy that we have for DNI here in the organization, as well as keeping their um, keeping the pulse of what employees from the different affinities are looking to have more support around. So I mentioned the benefit that we just added last year um, for the healthcare communities. That was something that our Pride and Allies Diversity Network and our Black and African-American and Allies Diversity Network 
um, kept hearing, you know, what more can we do to make sure that people have what they need um, when it comes to seeking medical care? We know, you know I'm, I'm going to talk about the Black community. I have members of my family who are like, I'm not going to the doctor because I feel they don't hear me when I tell them this is an issue that I have. They're saying, oh, it's fine. Oh, it's normal. It'll be fine. And that's not always the case. Um, so how do we make sure that folks don't have a fear of going to the doctor, even when they have access to healthcare. And, you know, just being able to do something like that was really cool. That's terrific. And um, so nice that it, it, it came out of the diversity networks and it came out of the organic conversations that we're hosting. Absolutely. Thank you for hearing that. So I, I want to get to some questions I mentioned. We want to really dig into the practical and the tangible and give people some blueprints and some tools and some, um, you know, some very uh, tangible things that they can take back to their organization. So let's let's switch to that gear for a moment. Um, I mentioned at the top in your bio that you're an organizational change expert and you create cultural transformations, uh, not an easy thing. So what's your advice to leaders on strengthening a sense of belonging? You talked about how that can, you know, seem very abstract, but how do you, how do you make that? Yes. Um, well, I'll make it really simple. It's not going to happen overnight, <laughs> but you have to start today. Uh, I would say one of the best things about the DNI journey that we've been on at Travelers is that our journey didn't start when our society faced that turning point in 2020. Um, we've been actively working to advance our culture and diversify our workforce for quite a while now. So the programming, a lot of the things that I've mentioned have been in place for more than 15 years so that we continue today. Those eight diversity networks go back to 2010 with the first being our Women and Allies DN. Um, and in 2019, uh, one of the things that you were mentioning, we wanted to ensure that not only the folks who wanted to learn more about different communities could do so and felt welcome to join the diversity networks. So we added the words and allies to the end of each group. So you saw instead of just saying the Pride Diversity Network, it's the Pride and Allies Diversity Network. So just a very small change, but it had a very large impact to allow others to feel welcome to join the discussions and the events and not feel that they were encroaching in a space that was not inclusive of them. Um, I think about Diversity Speaks. So I mentioned that program at the beginning of the conversation, which has been around for over a decade at Travelers. And really just continues to bring in amazing thought leaders who have left, left a lasting impression on our employees. So I would say everyone has their favorite Diversity Speak session. Um, my favorite probably came at the end of 2021. We wrapped the series with author Howard Ross, and he brought in a special guest host who was his friend, Dr. Janetta Cole. Um, if you're familiar or not familiar, she has so many accolades. Um, one being she was the first Black president of Spelman College and she really just spent some time speaking about her civil rights and human rights work and just how she's advised so many leaders. And she continues to do so into her late 80s now. She's still advising folks. It was just a phenomenal opportunity to get to know and experience that level of leadership just in the middle of our workday. Um, and I don't want to forget to mention the Traveler's Edge program. Um, Edge is an acronym that we use for empowering dreams for graduation and employment. And over the past 15 years, we've worked with high schools and colleges and universities across the United States to really bring in students as interns during their freshman year of college, provide scholarships, mentoring, and that opportunity to gain that also valuable work experience um, as students complete their degrees. So 
having that experience to kick off their professional careers with us really helps us build our pipeline and does encourage the retention of talent. And our business leaders are so enthusiastic about bringing this talent into their functions upon graduation. That's terrific. And yes, the, the Traveler's Edge program is well known um, to Traveler's employees. It's um, something that's near and dear to all of our hearts, has a great history within the company and, a, and another great example of um, a program uh, and how you connect with you on that. That's terrific. Thank you. Yeah. So I feel like we have all of these opportunities. We created them with the express purpose of just ensuring everyone feels welcome and that their perspectives are shared and valued within the Traveler's community. So we plan to keep those programs going for quite a while. That's terrific. And, and just even adding the words and allies, you know, something mm -hmm. just as simple as that um, to make people feel included. That's terrific. You talked a little bit about the talent pipeline. You mentioned it um, just now, as well as earlier. Um, let's dig a little bit deeper into that. I, I'd love to get a little bit more practical advice. If you, you know, you're thinking you, you, you want to set up that new talent pipeline, you're looking for new ways to bring in um, diverse candidates. Where do you start? Yeah. Um, First, I believe, I'm a little biased, but um, I believe that diversity and inclusion should be implemented into everything that we do in the way that we work together, period. If we maintain the space for diverse voices and we put inclusive behavior front and center as a core enabler for our company, um, you know, the, the results are endless, you know, what we can do as a company. If you don't have that DNI lens, like I shared with the missing that typo example earlier, we're gonna be likely to make those costly errors because we're just missing that diverse perspective that's needed to succeed in business today. So once we can make diversity and inclusion a core enabler for the way that we work and the way that we do business, I do feel that the efforts and talent in acquiring that talent to reflect diversity, it's gonna become second nature. Um, so, for example, a lot of people want those diverse candidate slates. How do I make sure I have a diverse candidate slate for my role? Well, you want to make sure that the network for your candidates has been diversified and that the functions for your organization have access. And they also have real and established relationships with professional organizations and the institutional or the educational institutions where you already have that talent. So I'm thinking about, let's say, you want to acquire talent from an HBCU, let's say specifically Howard. So Howard's really well known as the prestigious HBCU, but you don't have any success stories in your company with Howard alumni, or you're not even aware, you know, if any individuals in your company are Howard alumni. What do you think your chances of recruiting individuals from Howard will be if they can't see themselves reflected in your organization? Um, and not just diverse slates, for another example, you want to make sure that your interview panels are diverse too. So as a prospective candidate coming into the door, there is no greater turnoff for them than being interviewed by a homogenous group during the interview process. You know, think about what does that say about your organization? And what does that say about what's expected of a prospective employee coming into your organization? Do they have to fit a certain mold? Do they need to look a certain way? Do they need to represent a certain group? Um, if you have employee resource groups or if you have a diversity council in place at your company, you know, working to include them as part of your interview panel and ensuring that you showcase how diverse voices are included in this in that decision making process, that's really important too. So I feel like once once you enable DNI at all phases of you know acquiring talent as well, I think that's a really easy way um, to build it in. 
That's great. And I think for this next question, it's probably going to be an extension of what you're just saying now, clearly, but um, thinking about, you know, you have diverse talent and moving the diverse talent into leadership roles and how you create a culture where that, that happens within your organization. Um, do you have any, any guidance or perspective that you can share there? Oh, yes. <laughs> yes, I do. Um, so I'll say last year I spoke at a conference um, last fall, actually, and I was asked this question. So I can give you the same answer I gave to the crowd. Um, and across my career, I've worked with so many talented individuals who are Black, Latino, Asian, Indigenous, you know, so on and so forth. They've been told that they're excellent talent, they're top talent. Um, some may even be on succession plans for leadership roles and their performance reviews are outstanding every single year. But for whatever reason, they just don't make it to that next leadership role. It's just out of reach for them. And I feel that in some cases, not in all cases, but in some cases, there's a misconception that leaders need to focus more on developing underrepresented talent to ensure that they're ready to move into a leadership role. I would say there needs to be a mindset shift to just start moving that underrepresented talent who's already been told that they're excellent into that next role and develop them as they get acclimated to their new responsibilities. All talent is gonna need development no matter what role they're in. So development shouldn't be the barrier to keep that underrepresented talent from advancing. Go ahead and promote them, give them the opportunity continue to develop them as they would be anyway in a new leadership role and then support them as necessary. But, you know, don't let development be that one barrier to keeping folks from moving forward. Terrific. Terrific. That's great advice. Um, and then I guess zooming out as you're doing all these things that you just talked about, developing your pipeline and developing your future leaders. Mm -hmm. uh, obviously, all organizations have processes and procedures, right? So mm -hmm. how do you take a look at those, uh, those rules of the road within your organization and potentially uncover um, bias within them or find things that might be holding uh, some of your talent back? Yeah, that's that's a great question, Jessica. Um, examining processes and procedures for bias is not something <laughs> that you should take lightly or go into uninformed. Um, I would say the first step is to be open to the possibilities. And that's a huge first step. You know, we work in risk management and risk mitigation. And sometimes we may find it to be risky to even look into what could or should be changed. So but just remember your goals as it relates to culture. We're not the same people today that we were yesterday or that we were three years ago. So we do have to be open to the possibilities for us to grow. Um, I would also say, look at your data. We all have so much data um, and not enough insights around that data. So if you wanna know whether a process or a procedure has bias to it, look at who's benefiting from the current way of doing things or vice versa, who's not benefiting from the way that we're doing that. Um, and then finally, once you have the insights, put together a plan with milestones to determine, are you making progress at mitigating that bias? Um, it may not be possible to fully eliminate bias in every process without delving deep into another large change management initiative. I know it can be a lot of work, um, but start by doing the analysis and then just commit to making progress every year. Uh, which requires some, some real leadership and vulnerability as well. That's right. Yeah. Always. Um, so my next question is, I don't, you know, 
I don't want to say what are the easy things to do to, to advance your DNI initiatives, but maybe what are some of the absolute must must do actions that you must take if you're starting out thinking about this, the stuff that's really, um, you know, first step level stuff here that you would that you would recommend that we all really get in get in on board on. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Nothing's easy, <laughs> but um, I think it ties into your last question. I would say the easiest thing to do is just be honest about where you are today and just commit to making progress. Um, diversity and inclusion initiatives are large scale organizational change efforts. So within my team, I always remind my team, you are not the DNI person. We are not the DNI people. We are organizational change experts with a focus in diversity and inclusion. Um, so just making sure that you keep that top of mind that it's going to take time and it's going to take the effort of everyone. It's not just we can do this by ourselves in a vacuum. We have to work in tandem with everyone um, to move things forward. So I would say the worst thing an organization can do is to just start going in and making changes without determining where they are in their DNI journey today. Um, if you don't know what you're looking for, everything sounds like it could be a great idea. Let's bring in this training. Let's offer this mentoring program. Let's just see what works. But, you know, you really want to be informed about where you are starting, build a strategy and partnership with diverse voices, and just commit to making directionally positive progress. That's great. That's great. Um, so let's talk about the insurance industry. Um, yeah. Where is the insurance industry today? And um, what are some things that overall as an industry, you know, that we can do to improve? Yeah, um, I see progress every year. And that makes me so excited to be in the insurance industry. I know traditionally we think of this as a slower moving industry in comparison to like tech or retail. It seems like they can make changes happen a lot faster. But I'm seeing a lot of promise in the work that's happening, and I think it's because we're starting to partner together more, um, and there are a number of groups that exist for this purpose, so at Travelers, we have so many partnerships. I'm thinking about IICF, the Insurance Industry Charitable Foundation. Um, I chair the Culture and Workforce Committee as part of this group, and just working together, what can we do more, better, different to impact the culture of our workplaces? Um, I think about NIA, the National African American Insurance Association, the work that they're doing at the college level with the talent competitions and the career fairs that they offer students. They have multiple opportunities to touch base um, with individuals and bring them in and get them excited about insurance before they make a decision what they, on what they want to do with their career. Um, the AAIN, the Asian American Insurance Network, which is relatively new, um, but I've met the leaders last year at a conference. They're doing some amazing things to bring together the Asian community within the insurance um, industry. Um, BIC, which is the Black Insurance Industry Collective, um, started by four visionaries from different organizations and what they're doing to try to help Black insurance professionals ascend into leadership roles. Um, IABA, IABA, the International Association of Black Actuaries, just the list goes on, like I go, but I'm not, <laughs> I know we have limited time, um, you know, really just getting to know the leadership in these groups and their mission to help diversify the insurance industry at all levels has been really helpful for us. Um, and it's great because they allow providers, agents, brokers, we can all partner together in this shared goal. So I would definitely say if you're not involved in some of these organizations, definitely get involved. 
That's terrific. And um, uh, just one or two more thoughts before we hop over to audience questions. The first is I know we've got audience members on the line from organizations of all sizes. Yes. Any particular thoughts for small organizations? Yeah, for the small organizations, I would just say partnering with one or all of the groups that I just listed is a great start. Um, any organization can, you know, any size can be part of those associations. And I would say it's a great way to build pipeline through your involvement. Everybody's working on building their pipeline. So um, I also know some smaller companies that have had success with building their pipeline for college students through an app called Handshake. Um, it's an online job posting system. It's specific to college students and alumni. So if you don't have the resources to build a formal internship program like Traveler's Edge, or you don't have an entry-level program for new hires, um, Handshake could be a great way to present internship opportunities and entry-level roles to a very specific audience. That's great. That's yeah. great. All right. And I have, I have to get this in um, as our last question before we go to audience questions. So you shared at a recent conference um, a, a quote from Mark Twain, which is, the two most important days in your life are the day you were born and the day you find out why. Can you talk about that? Yes. So um, I was at a conference, the Black Enterprise Women of Power Summit, um, earlier this year, and I was invited to speak on a panel that was titled Progress, Not Perfection. So there were four of us on stage, four Black women. We've accomplished so much. Um, we all do different things, but what really united us was that we went through absolute hell to get to where we were because we were fixated on achieving perfection as we built our careers and our personal brands. So the stories that each of us told were full of physical and mental and emotional trauma that we put ourselves through to try to achieve perfection. And it was very painful for a number of us to recall and we're speaking to an audience of hundreds of black women who were you know, just like us and they were all in tears and saddened and horrified to hear like, you had to go through all of that just to you know, be where you are today. But they completely related to our stories because they also feel we've been conditioned to seek perfection first and then that's gonna help us make progress in our careers. But, you know, the other thing that united all four of us on stage together were we were able to break out of that mindset and continue to achieve despite not focusing on perfection anymore. And when I thought about the Mark Twain quote, I shared with everybody that I realized I was born to break barriers. So I'm not meant necessarily to be everything that people expect me to be. I'm only meant to be myself. And I don't fit in a prescribed box. None of us do, actually, because we're all so much better than that. So I focus on breaking outside of the box and breaking barriers that keep organizations from being unwilling to try something different or new within reason. Of course, we work in risk. So within reason, um, but as well as build the support system for the work that lies ahead once those barriers come down. So I realize that you can't break barriers if you're too busy living up to everyone else's perspectives of you, you have to know your own true worth to break barriers. And I found more peace in my life and was able to do so much more in my career when I realized that was my purpose. And I'm very comfortable helping others break barriers down as well. Wow, that's um, that's a powerful story. I'm glad we had time to, to fit that yeah. into the conversation. And I bet a lot of people can relate to the, to the perfection comment. So thank you for sharing that. For sure. All right, so now we're gonna to go to audience questions and I'm gonna do rapid fire here. Um, 
first, Lisa Tupper from Gallagher asks, how do you fight diversity fatigue? Oh, great question. Um, we can't afford to get fatigued now <laughs> because there's a lot of work that we need to keep doing to keep the progress moving forward. But understandably, we can get burned out if we feel that we're working on overdrive and we're not seeing the progress we expected by this point. But just remember, DEI is organizational change. It takes a lot of time to see the major results that we seek. So it's important to build in those metrics of visible progress, like I mentioned earlier in our strategy, um, which are the milestones that people can see and say, hey, that's great news. I feel good about the direction we're moving in and it's enough to keep me motivated and pursuing the end goal. Um, build those pipelines, advance talent into leadership and look at the feedback from your programming and give yourself indicators of what direction you're moving in, so. That's terrific. Yeah. Okay, next up, Cynthia Ryder wants to know, any recommendations for staff-wide training online or in-person for a company? And related, I've gotten a few questions in about 50 ways to fight bias. Yes. Yes, exactly. That's the one I'll call. Um, so leanin.org and McKenzie offer some free, yes, free for the small businesses out there, um, some training modules around unconscious bias that um, we really like. So we brought in the 50 ways to fight bias content into travelers at the end of 2021. Um, and we made some customizations to it and started offering the training to leadership groups. And it's just been a big success. So like I said, we've honored requests to deliver the training to more than 2,000 employees just in 2022 alone, um, all the way from our EVPs to entry level em of employees. So um, we found some great content or value in that content, and I hope that helps, Cynthia. That's great. That's great. Yeah. I like this one. Um, Terrell Hughes asks, what's a typical day for a chief diversity and inclusion officer? Oh, lots of meetings. Um, <laughs> speaking in events like this, I speak pretty much for a living. Um, I spend about 50% of my day just meeting with people and listening to them, answering their questions, getting to know about their experiences and learning about why they came to work here and what keeps them here. And I feel like these stories are so important to help inform that we're doing the right things to help people achieve a sense of belonging here. Um, like I said, I lead a team of amazing specialists and various areas of strategy, operations, project management with that focus on DNI. So working with them, making sure that they feel good, that they don't feel burnt out and they continue bringing their best selves to work. Um, I advise our leaders on their strategies to make DNI tangible within their functions. And then of course, partnering with all of our HR functions to ensure that we're making DNI a core enabler um, in our policies and practices. So in one word, very busy <laughs> or busy, but I enjoy it very much. Terrific. Thank you. All right. Ralph Pulver wants to know, um, when you look at uh, diversity of your customer base, when you're looking externally at customers, how can you ensure that you are reaching underserved communities? Yeah, that's that's a difficult one. Um, but I would say the work that we do specifically with our community relations department can help with that. Um, we have an amazing community relations team and we make sure that we put on programming and opportunities to engage with folks in the community in as many ways possible. So I think about um, the connections that we have. So just like we have a diversity speaks program, we have an art speaks program to be able to connect to folks in the community, help bring them into understanding what Travelers is and what we do so that when they see the red umbrella, um, they realize this is a place where we want diversity of customers as well. So we have some programs set up for that. Terrific, terrific. And last question, um, 
how has the work from home or hybrid model um, potentially impacted DNI efforts since the pandemic? Yeah, I know everybody working remote, you know, when we were all sheltering in place, basically kept everybody at the same level. So we're all at home. We're all being interrupted by pets or children or parents or any family, you know, within the house. So we're all just trying to balance everything um, as we continue to work remotely. Um, moving to a hybrid model and allowing, you know, individuals to make decisions on coming in and being at home, I would say has impacted DNI. So the programming that we offer, we're very intentional about making sure that folks who are watching virtually have a similar experience to folks who are in person. Um, or if we do an event, making sure that this type of event is available to folks in different areas. So for example, Diversity Speaks used to be traditionally in our Hartford location, in person, we would pack the auditorium, and these are the folks that got to enjoy and experience the event live. Um, we've started going out to some of our offices in Richardson um, and St. Paul. We're talking about potentially doing an international event so folks from different areas can also enjoy and be part of the experience as well um, and not feel that they are detached from it. So we have made some adjustments. I would say it's increased our engagement as well because folks can be a part of it. Um, either virtually or in person, and then just making sure we don't do everything in just one location anymore. We've started to expand that as well. That's terrific. Lauren, uh, Dr. Young, thank you so much for joining us on our program today. On behalf of um, us here at the Travelers Institute, we thank you for your time um, and really appreciate all the wonderful insights and practical advice that you've shared over the last hour. It was a pleasure. Thank you so much, Jessica. Wow, what a great discussion. Thank you, Lauren and Jessica. And thank you for tuning in to the Travelers Institute Risk and Resilience podcast. Check out the show notes for more information about the Travelers Institute and to sign up for our mailing list. We send out updates on our upcoming podcast, webinars, in-person events, and more. I'd also love to hear what you thought about today's episode and what topics you'd like us to cover in the future. You can shoot me an email at institute at travelers.com or follow me on LinkedIn and send me a message there as well. Thanks again for tuning in.